Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. story, we were happy and enjoying fruitful ministry in Las Vegas, and my wife and I were on our 20, 20th anniversary in Cabo San Lucas, Gloria a Dios, enjoying the most amazing Mexican food in the world, and a nice resort, and I had a dream, it was like a supernatural dream about a church and transition, um, I saw the, like an aerial view of the church, and then I'm in the building, and uh, and there was a guy named Martin Trench, who most of you know. Uh, he pastors in Canada. He was a teaching pastor, and I was about ready to be appointed as a senior pastor. Um, There's some other details of the dream. Some of you have heard it. Who've, who's actually heard the whole story? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, now put your hand down. If you haven't, raise your hand. It's kind of hard. Oh, there's a lot of people that haven't. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but basically uh, had this dream. I told Martin. I said, Martin, had this dream. You were appointed as the teaching pastor is at this church. I was being appointed as the lead pastor. And I said, maybe you're supposed to move to Las Vegas. And he laughs and, you know, messages me back. He said, well, it's cold here in Canada. So I've always been, I've been wanting to come to some warmer weather. Um, but then he tells me, he says, hey, I think the Lord's on that dream. There's a church that I know that may be in transition. And uh, it's in New York. And I hear a little bit more about it. And uh, as things unfold, we felt like, okay, God is on this. There's something to this. So then we came here, and, I mean, there were so many confirmations. It was just incredible. So the Lord called us out here supernaturally. We started hearing things about the city, the well of revival in the city. Uh, I remember texting a friend, Robert Slairdon, and I said, the guy who wrote God's Generals, I said, hey, tell me about Rochester. I didn't know, and I, I feel like I should have known this because I love past revivals, but I didn't know the revival history hill here with Charles Finney. And, and so I said, is there like a well of revival over the city? He said, yes, a big one. And uh, then we learned about Charles Finney. And I found out Charles Finney went from Henderson to Rochester to take a pastorate. And I was moving from Henderson, Nevada to take a pastorate in Rochester. And I'm reading this history about him. And then I'm like, honey, can you believe that? She's like, no way. And I'm like, seriously. And his birthday's August 29th. Guess whose birthday's August 29th? This guy right here. Come on, somebody. So there was all these confirmations, and we just felt the hand of God. My wife was hearing about the city uh, just being like an apostolic center. I, I feel like Rochester will be known for a move of God as it was in the 1830s as a second great awakening. It will be known for the third great awakening. And that it will be known like when we say Toronto blessing, how many know what I'm talking about? The Toronto blessing. And, and I saw this, I saw Rochester revival. And one of the old, uh, this is what I learned from Robert Slayer, and one of the old uh, reports that it might, it might have been on one newspaper or something, it said, Rochester has had an encounter with God. And our whole background is we planted a church and God says, name it Encounter. And now there's a movement and we have multiple churches in this movement, uh, in this network. And we renamed the church back in September, September 20th. And so I'm just excited about the Lord's doing. And I just felt like sharing that with you. So I hope you enjoyed that. But uh, I, I had such a wonderful time in Las Vegas. It was, it was hard for my heart because... Um, 
when I landed, it didn't feel like home. But when I walked into the church, it felt like home because of the presence of the Lord and being surrounded by a second family and seeing like some of my spiritual sons was uh, really stretching to my heart. Um, but I was really blessed to come back because now this is home. And it was my first time going to Vegas where it wasn't my home. I had to rent a car. It was so weird. I'm like, I'm landing in Vegas and I have to go to the rent-a-car place. Who loves doing that? It's so much fun. And right now, everything in Vegas is cheap. So it's like, there's a ton of people landing. I mean, the line to the rent-a-car place was huge. So that was just so much fun, right? And uh, everyone's in a good mood. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. And, uh, but I was so, uh, so blessed to, to preach a message uh, there that I felt like was a prophetic word for the church and the body of Christ, which I'm not preaching that message today, but I will in the near future. Today, I want to read out of John 14. Open your Bibles. If you have a Bible, just hold it up really high, real quick, really high. Come on. Now, those of you that look around the room, look around the room. If you don't have, those are the real Christians. Come on, somebody. I just like to affirm those that bring a real Bible. Now, who has uh, a Bible on, on a device? Hold your device up. Come on, your phone or whatever. Okay, if you have an Android, put it down. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> so I'm going to be reading from the New King Jimmy version. And I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say that, if you have a Pentecostal or charismatic or spirit-filled or full gospel background, um, notice I tried to cover all the labels. Uh, <laughs> When we say that, a lot of times we think, oh, the gifts of the Spirit, which is, are wonderful, and experiencing the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we, in our church cultures, get so acclimated to what we call the Holy Spirit that not only do we call things that are Holy Spirit that aren't the Holy Spirit, hello, let that sink in, but we also forget the deep primary work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the work of the Spirit in our hearts, in our lives. Can I preach to you this morning? Do I have a little time? Are y'all eager to go watch some football or eat lunch? I am, so I'm going to preach fast. Not football, I'm just hungry. John chapter 14, and I want to just start reading. Now the context, Jesus is, uh, he's telling them like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and, and where, where I'm going, you know, and, and you also know the way. And then Thomas and Philip are like, oh, we don't know the way, and we don't know how to get there, and who is the Father? And then Jesus starts talking about the Holy Spirit. And so I want to read, I want to start at like verse, let's go down, 15, let's start there, and we're going to read in the New King James. Y'all ready? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he will abide with you forever. Are you thankful that the Holy Spirit abides with us forever? I know that's cliche, like, oh, the Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I think sometimes in our brains and in our hearts, we settle and we entertain thoughts of abandonment. If we don't feel God, then we don't think he's there. If we don't sense the manifest presence that we feel like, well, maybe God is teaching me a lesson. Or maybe like, oh, how come I don't experience? Maybe he doesn't love me. Or maybe his grace. And we have this mindset 
uh, and it's really like an orphan mindset, and we think that the Holy Spirit comes and goes. How many know that we're part of a new and better covenant? The Holy Spirit abides within us. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit isn't just with you and upon you, but he's in you, through you, and about you, envelops you. It's every preposition in the English language. This is what Jesus said in Acts 1. Well, Luke is quoting Jesus, and he says, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued or enveloped with power from on high. And the word endue is enveloped. It's every preposition. So the Holy Spirit, I was joking around recently, I said the Holy Spirit literally lives in every, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. How many know that? Every fiber of your being is full of the Holy Spirit. Your fingernails. If you chew one off and spit it on the ground, the Holy Ghost is there too. He's everywhere. With our brains, though, we have like the separation of the spirit in the natural realm. And we think, well, yeah, he lives in our hearts kind of metaphorically. No, he lives in your body, too. He lives in your physical body. Sometimes we think, well, Jesus just dwells in my spirit, man. No, he lives in your, your body. Hello, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Your body, say my body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to abide with you forever. He won't leave you. He's like super glue. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter what we feel. He is faithful even when we're faithless. I might not feel him, but he's there. I might not experience him, but he's there. Come on. And it doesn't matter what we're going through. The Spirit of God is with us. It says the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. I know there's other spirits out there. But the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. I want to say this real quick. Don't be afraid of being led into error because the Holy Spirit's with you and he'll lead you and guide you in all truth. You know, I've noticed a trend, an unhealthy trend in Christianity where people are so not, and it's not wisdom, it's fear. It's not walking circumspect or carefully or being vigilant, it's fear. People are so afraid of false teaching that they actually open the door because of fear and it can pull them right into deception. And so the thing that they're afraid of, they actually fall into because they're afraid of something. Don't be afraid. Jesus will never lead you astray. How many know that like when you're growing in the Lord, sometimes this is so simple. Just say, Lord, if this isn't from you, just take it away. This thought isn't from you. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He will lead and guide you in all truth. Especially now, because there's some stuff I see in the church, and I don't like it. Like, I see Christians that I once knew as what we call spirit-filled, you know, hearing the voice of the Lord prophesying, and people are like, some people are dabbling in divination and tarot card reading and horoscopes. Well, horoscopes are just, they're, I think, you know, they're entertaining. It's the Babylonian counterfeit. And this, this is the spirit of air. This is allowing ourselves to be opened up. But it's the same thing. If we're afraid that we're going to be susceptible to some false doctrine, you might as well just be afraid of demons tormenting you at night. Because fear opens up doors for the enemy to come into your life. Hello? How many of you know the Bible says fear not? Come on. How many times does it say it? 365. One for every day that you wake up. Fear not. Fear not. And so the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. You know him. 
Think about that. He's talking to disciples. Are you a disciple? You know the Holy Spirit because he lives in you. Well, I just want to hear the voice of the Lord. Well, then just believe that you do. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. The voice of a stranger they will not follow. You hear the voice of Jesus. Well, I just want to hear him audibly. Well, stop it. You can hear him. Pursue peace. Follow after peace. Don't complicate it. Don't overthink it. God speaks to your heart. God speaks to your spirit. There's a knowing inside of you. Sometimes he speaks and gives you pictures. He can speak through dreams. And are you thankful God uses people to confirm? And sometimes, though, we get so caught up in that stuff that we're trying to see the work of the Holy Spirit through other people when the Holy Spirit's trying to work inside of us. Like we can get so caught up in getting a prophetic word that we forget to hear God for ourselves. All right, now, I I know it's 11 o'clock, and I just want to confess to you, 11 a.m., you're a little mellow compared to the 9 a.m. 9 a.m. is a little fuller, and the 9 a.m. is like, I don't know, I think they serve different coffee than the 11 a.m., I'm not sure, but I'm already preaching better than you responded. Sometimes we forget to hear God for ourselves because we've relied upon a religious system that we call the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm not saying, just hear me. Like we call, oh yeah, you know, I just need a prophetic word. Man, I'm just, that's great. And, and I'd be happy to prophesy. And our team would be happy to prophesy. And God will speak to you. But sometimes you got to hear God for yourself. Well, I just need prayer. Sometimes you got to pray for yourself. Hello? Because when there's no one around, what you going to do? you got to pray. And when your pastor can't come to your house at 11 o'clock when something's going down and you need to pray, you got to learn to pray. And mature believers, must they have to understand the residing, powerful Spirit of God that is in and upon and through their lives. You have the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. Hello? Well, I just need Sarah to lead me in worship. No. You're in the Holy of Holies right now, and the Holy of Holies is in you. Take me past the outer courts into the holy place. Come on, help me out. Past the braves. Okay, stop singing that old covenant junk. I tricked you all. We don't have to go through the courts of prayer. We, we're not, there's no metaphor to this thing. The Holy of Holies, we're not entering into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies entered into you when Jesus died and his flesh was torn and he took upon our sin, defeated the devil and defeated death. How many know the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom and then our religiosity and orphan thinking stitches it all the way back up and we have to pray for an open heaven. You don't have to pray for an open heaven. When you pray, there is an open heaven. Why? Because Jesus lives inside of you. Come on. Jesus, who's exalted above all principality and power, and he says in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on all the power of the enemy. Not some of the power of the enemy. Well, Jesus is going to give us authority, but he might allow some demons to come in and torment us at night to teach us a lesson. Heck no. And since hell's in the Bible, I'll say, hell no. No, it doesn't work like that. 
And we don't, we don't have to stitch up what God has accomplished. We have access by one spirit to the Father. You have authority over the enemy. Stop overthinking things and overcomplicating things. And then, you know, we, we go back into this archaic religious mind like we're Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes again, thinking that God maybe changed his mind. His disposition towards you is love. For him to stop loving you would mean him stop being God. And that's not possible because God is love. Well, maybe he doesn't love me anymore. That would mean that God isn't God anymore. And that's not possible. God is always God and always will be God. Is God not eternal? But God is love in his essence. Love is not just an attribute of God. It is who he is. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I barely got through one verse. Y'all still need some coffee. Come on, somebody. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. He says, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In the heart of every human, in our fallenness, sometimes we, we slip back into this mindset that we're going to be forsaken. How many know that in life we, like, we experience true abandonment, betrayal, and pains? Hello? If you're a human being, you know what I'm talking about. If you're in ministry, you know what I'm talking about. You know, we pray crazy prayers like, Lord, expand my capacity to love. And then Judas betrays us. And then we have a choice to either get better or get bitter. We can allow the hooks in our heart to become a festering wound. Or we can allow those hooks to expand our heart's capacity to love. How many know betrayal? Like things happen, right? But in our hearts, that thing that makes us feel like one maybe will be abandoned, maybe it's the fear of death or whatever it is, that's not from God. And Jesus is saying, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Then jump down real quick, and I just want to read a couple more verses here. Verse 20, in that day you'll know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Say intimacy. That's intimate. He says, you're not going to see me anymore, uh, but the, the world won't see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you'll know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. What day? The day that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives within them. In that day, you will know. Later on, he talks about this. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you all things, bring you to remembrance what I taught you. He, and he's going to manifest. He's going to reveal me to you. He's going to remind you of me. How many of the Holy Spirit reveals who Jesus is to us? And Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. There's this thing in the context of this scripture, though, that I think that the way that, the way that we relate to God, we complicate it. It's like I, I know most of you are familiar on Facebook. Who's on Facebook? Who left Facebook and is on Parlor? Anybody else? Yeah. All the boomers? No, I'm just kidding. So on Facebook, most of you are familiar. If somebody's married, it says married, and it might connect the profile of the person. If you go to my profile, Zach Wexler. If, you're not, if you haven't added me, how dare you? Add me. Come on. Follow me on Instagram, at Zach Wex. Come on, somebody. Z-A-C-K-W-X. Amen? So... It says like relationship status. How many know what I'm talking about? Single, married, or how many have seen this one? It's complicated. <laughs> Who has that right now? We'll pray for you. 
It's complicated. Do you know that God's relationship with you is perfect, even though your relationship with him may not be? And the idea that I have to work on my relationship with the Lord is actually orphan thinking. If we receive the reality that his relationship with us, his ability to relate to us, to love us, that we've been joined to him, if we receive that love and open our heart and just let God love us, then we participate in this union and communion, this perfect relationship because we're in him and he's in us. And this is the intimacy. This is what I see here. And the work of the Holy Spirit is... What we've done is we've complicated our Christianity. We've complicated our relationship with God. We've complicated the way that we relate to one another and the world. And how many know Jesus comes and he gives us his spirit and he unravels all the web of religion and orphan thinking and complication and says it's much more simple than this. It's about love. And the Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. And Jesus reveals the heart of his father. You know, when, when my wife and I first fell in love, it wasn't complicated. When you're in love, it's not complicated. Hear me. We overthink things all the time, don't we? When you're in love, it's not complicated. When my wife and I fell in love 21 years ago, come on, baby. I'm just talking to you right now. Forget everybody else. I just wanted to be with her. I wanted to freeze time. Nothing else mattered. It wasn't complicated. If it got complicated, it's, it was my own thinking. Vain imaginations. Because she loved me too. It still does after 21 years. And I love her. And I chose her to be my bride. When we're falling in love, it's not complicated. If our relationship with the Lord's complicated, we forgot the love in which we were bought. It's not complicated. Jesus is saying, no, you know the way, and you know where I'm going. No, we don't know the way, and who's the Father? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What does that mean? You know, when we think about John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We're always thinking heaven, which that's true. But it's also not just about the afterlife. It's about now. Jesus reveals the Father. Why do we see the Father? How come we can see in the old covenant, we sought the face of God. In the new covenant, we've been brought to the face of God by the finished work of Jesus. Oh, that's a good word right there. And we complicate. And we have a web of religion and orphan thinking. And we make it. To where like even our intimacy with the Lord, how many know that like in a marriage, in my marriage, I'm not, I'm going to use code talk here. I don't sing Song of Solomon with my wife. <clears throat> get it? Intimacy. Adults, you get what I'm saying, right? Gosh, you guys are acting like religious prudes. Give me a break. <laughs> you know what you did on your honeymoon, married folks? That's what I'm talking about. Okay. I don't, I'm not intimate with my wife so I can look or act married. I'm not just intimate with my wife, then I come out of the door, I'm married, hallelujah. 
And then I'm, well, hey, I'm married. How do you know? How do I know? Earlier. Come on, somebody. <laughs> First Corinthians 7. Do not deprive one another. Listen, I'm not intimate with my bride so I can look married. I'm intimate with my bride because of communion, union, love, intimacy, and pleasure. Why are we intimate with the Lord? Is it for the sake of intimacy or so we can look anointed outside the prayer closet? See how complicated we make it? God calls us to intimacy for the sake of intimacy. We even take the scripture where Jesus says, come into your secret place and the Father will reward you openly. We focus so much on the reward, we forget the whole point was the secret place. If we are praying in private to get power in public, we miss the whole point and purpose. Jesus is calling us into intimacy. It's not complicated. It's about him. It's about him bringing us into relationship face-to-face with the Father. We have access, and we're not orphans, and he'll never leave us. And the Holy Spirit's work isn't just to give us gifts and make us feel good in church and to manifest his presence. The Holy Spirit's deep work is to teach us that we're beloved sons and daughters. The Holy Spirit's work is not just to, you know, give you wonderful gifts. And I love all the gifts of the Spirit. And can I say this? I said it first service. I'll say it again. That we have entire churches and denominations and movements that are offended at the Holy Spirit. And it grieves my heart. Entire movements that, like, oh, yeah, we believe in the gifts. Oh, really? I've never heard them or seen them from your life or your ministry. Hello? That's no different than having an instrument up here, a guitar player, and he's just standing here and not playing. If I don't hear sound, then what do you... Oh, yeah, we believe in the guitar, but you never play it. If you believe in the gifts and you're not active in them, then you might be offended at the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm saying that is I'm not discounting the gifts of the Spirit, but that's not the primary work of what the Spirit does within us. The Spirit, the Bible says this, the Spirit works deep within our hearts and spirits and he teaches us that we are children of God. And listen, it's not something that just you arrive at and then it's like, I'm a beloved son, praise God. And you know, like we could go to 10,000, I'm exaggerating, we could go to 22 father heart conferences and still act like orphans. The work of the Spirit teaches us that we're children of God. We don't, we're not intimate with the Lord to look anointed. The whole understanding of the anointing, check this out. The anointing, to anoint means to smear, to smear oil. When the Lord anoints us, it's something that he gives us. It's an authority. It abides. It's there. But it's the unique anointing, which is an expression of the anointed one, Jesus, But when he anoints us, how many know if I smeared my head with oil, my forehead would look what? Greasy. Probably looks greasy right now, huh? (laughs) And how many know if I did that, it would shine? See, we're trying to be intimate with the Lord so we can shine. But if we're anointed, we don't need to try. He does the smearing and the shining just happens. In In our whole church cultures... We think the work of the Spirit is just about the the icing on the cake, but there's so much more to it. 
And we don't have time to jockey for position. We don't have time to work up the totem pole. Well, I just want to honor you, brother. We don't even know the difference between honor and flattery. Flattery will make you feel way more anointed than you really are. Honor will pull gifts out of you you never knew you had. And flattery is motivated by love for platform and position and title. Honor is motivated by the love of the Father where we see who we really are. We see one another through the lens of the Spirit. That we're all seated with Christ in heavenly places and Jesus is face to face with his Father. Come on, somebody. 2 Timothy 1, um, I'm going to just touch on this real quick. I have a lot of notes. I'm probably not going to get through all of them. 2 Timothy 1, how many know the scripture where Paul is encouraging Timothy? He's like, Timothy, I love the faith that's in you. He's already written a letter to him. Timothy is the apostle over Ephesus. And Paul is encouraging him like an apostle would, saying, Timothy, act like an apostle. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Don't neglect the gifts that's in you. And then he tells him, hey, I know your grandma had great genuine faith. Genuine faith. I love that. How many know today we need genuine faith? Like God's looking for authenticity. I want authenticity. We should cry out for that. God, I want authenticity. Teach me to live from the heart. He says that genuine faith in your grandma and your grandmommy, come on somebody, and in your mama, I'm paraphrasing, and that genuine faith that's in you too. There was an intrinsic thing that was passed down. Then he says, but remember the gift, the fire that you received when I laid hands on you. I want you to stir that up. A lot of times we just reflect on that as being a gift of the Spirit, and I believe that it could be. It could be the prayer language. It could be a lot of different things. But I believe it's the fiery love of the Father that Timothy was at, or Paul was asking Timothy to stir up. You, you want to know why? Because if you look back to the beginning of 2 Timothy, just jump there with me real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 1. He tells him in verse 3, I pray for you all the time. And Paul's not praying to look holy, he's praying because he loves Timothy. Come on, somebody. And then he says, I want to see you. I'm mindful of your tears that I might be filled with joy. And then he says, I remember the faith in your grandma, your mom. And I also persuaded that's in you. He says, I remind you, fan the flame that's in you. Fan the flame. For God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Say amen. But check this out, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, verse 2, to Timothy, what does it say? A beloved son. 2 Timothy 1, 2. To Timothy, a beloved son. You notice it doesn't mention after this Timothy's dad. We don't know historically if he's dead, if he was an unbeliever, or if he left Timothy, but we do know that Paul looked at Timothy as a spiritual son. He said, Timothy, a beloved son. Now, that's amazing to me because you, you see the love of God pouring through the Apostle Paul in the foundation of this letter. Before he says, stir up the gift, he says, you're a beloved son. Now, when we, when we understand that God is Papa, what do we, how do we respond? Abba, right? What's, what's even more amazing to me is that it wasn't just Timothy calling him a beloved son, but he was resounding the very voice of the Father that spoke over Jesus in Luke chapter 3 and in Matthew. Come on, somebody. It's the same Greek word when Jesus was coming out of the waters of baptism 
What was the voice that he heard when the spirit manifested in the form of a dove? It says the voice of the father resounded and said, this is my beloved son in whom my soul delights. The foundation of ministry should be based upon knowing our sonship, that we are loved by our papa, not all the gifts and all the other fluff and stuff. Come on, somebody. And when we say stir up the gift, this is what I believe Paul's saying. Stir up the fire of God's love. Remember where you came from. Remember the faith that's in you. Remember what was imparted to you. Because that's how you can minister the gospel, is by knowing that fire The fire of God's love. The fire on the days of Pentecost wasn't just some supernatural flame. It's the fire that was in the heart of the Father uh, when man fell and his intent was to become flesh. Come on. When the Son's intent was to become incarnate, it's the fire of the love of the Father. That's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit reveals to us Jesus. Jesus reveals to us the heart of the Father. I want to close with this. A lot of us are familiar with uh, the Lord's Prayer. How many were raised Catholic or Orthodox or in some sort of liturgical background? Raise your hand. How many still do the sign of the cross when no one's looking? Okay, just checking. Most of us are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. So familiar, we forget how profound it is. Like if I started saying it, It'd probably be the Matthew version. The Luke version is a little simpler. The Matthew version was probably modified a little for a more liturgical flow. But if I start saying it, you all know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? I want to talk to you real quick about this. Now, a profound expression or I guess what has been kind of exemplified in this prayer, especially the last few decades, is on earth as it is in heaven. Can you say amen? Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. Now when when Jesus said, first of all, when a disciple asks a rabbi, teach me to pray, you know what he's saying? Show me who God is. Show me what God looks like to you. That's profound. You know where someone's at when you hear them pray. Hello? But in the Greek, when when Jesus says, your kingdom come, how many know it was not like, it wasn't this. It wasn't like, oh, Lord, would you just please send, send the kingdom someday? Someday, kingdom of God come. How many know it wasn't this passive, wimpy prayer? It was an imperative. It was an authoritative declaration kingdom come now here's what I want to say that's powerful in and of itself will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven on earth as that's powerful right an authoritative it's not just kingdom come no it's kingdom come how many know we've been given the keys to the kingdom to open doors that cannot be closed closed doors that cannot come on bind loose why because all of heaven's behind us right but check this out I think we missed the very beginning Jesus revolutionizes prayer completely with the first words that come out of his mouth. We think the kingdom come was an imperative. I think the top of the prayer was even more imperative. Because in the Old Testament, the word father was not really attributed to God in a sense of an individual talking to God as father. It was only 16 times in the Old Testament. 
and it was a general metaphorical sense of God being the father of Israel. But in the New Testament, you have 250 plus mentions of God as father. And Jesus revolutionized prayer with one word, father. You see the imperative, we see we want the kingdom to come, but we forgot the Abba. We want to stir up the gift, but we forgot the beloved son. We want to take nations for Jesus, but we're still acting like people with clanging cymbal, releasing a solo instead of a symphony. But when we allow the love of God to just take all that stuff away, uncomplicate, unravel, that's what it means to be undone in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit just unravels all the web of religiosity and the web of orphan thinking. And then we know how loved we are. And then true worship comes out. Worship and praise comes from a heart that's loved. We're not, we're not in the old covenant. We're not like, oh, I got to do some spiritual warfare and rend the heavens. No, Jesus did that. He defeated the devil. Hello? Well, I just, I just have to, that's just how I pray. I like to yell at the devil. Well, stop yelling at the devil and talk to the Father because you're face to face with him. Oh, man. Pastor Zach, I love your message today. It's so good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. That's all. That's all I'm doing. The foundation of the probably the most broadly prayed prayer is Abba, Father. Jesus spoke Aramaic. Aramaic, Abba, Abba. What does that mean? Papa, Daddy. It's a term of endearment, a term of reverence, and a term of affection. It is, is a term of respect, and Abba was an elder, someone that you dearly respected in the culture, but at the same time, they were approachable to receive affection from. And Jesus... I think this is why Paul in Galatians 4, 6 and Romans 8 uses that word in the Aramaic, Abba. Because I think when Jesus prayed, Father, your kingdom come. Father, hallowed be your name. Which, by the way, hallowed be your name is not keep your name holy. It is reveal who you really are. I think when Jesus started the prayer, he didn't get louder at kingdom come. It started with a roar of Abba. Because it was a revelation that God is a good father. Come on, somebody. And the foundation of who we are should start right there. This is why Paul, Paul says this. He says, the spirit comes in and it dwells you. You cry out, Abba, Galatians 4, 6, Romans 8, verses 16, I believe through 18. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. You see, what we hear is the same voice that Jesus heard when he came out of the waters, you are my child in whom, my beloved child in whom my soul delights. Matter of fact, when you're born again, that's what you hear. You hear it for the first time and you open your heart to that love. The other day, my son was preparing for a, uh, my son David, he was preparing for, I love my kids, man. I just, sometimes I have to slow down and remember how important it is that I express my love and my affection to my kids. That's why sometimes during worship, I'll stop and I'll just pray for them. How many know it's so important that the kids feel like they're the focus of our love? Come on. That doesn't originate from you. It originates from the, of the heart of the Father. So my son is getting ready 
to do a presentation at uh, Roberts Wesleyan. He's at, in Roberts Wesleyan, and um, and he's exegeting First and Second Timothy, and he gets up and he's wearing this suit. I'm like, man, son, you look good. Come on, somebody. And then he told me later on, he said, yeah, dad, it went well. My professor like went on and, you know, he really encouraged me and affirmed me in front of the rest of the students. And he actually talked about something I said for 20 minutes. And I stopped. I'm like, son, I am so proud of you. When I look at my kids, like I cannot help but to just think of how amazing and awesome and and I have the most beautiful kids in the world. I know you do too, but that's just how I see my kids. Come on, somebody. And, And I tell them all that they're my favorite. Because they are. I love them all the same, and they're all my favorite. And the heart of God's big enough that you're all his favorite. But in this moment, I'm like, son, I am so stinking proud of you. He's wearing a suit, and I hear a whisper in that moment. Pay attention to these moments. And the father says, imagine how proud I am of you. In that moment, I heard the resounding echo, or not echo, just the the voice of the Lord again that continues to sustain, I believe, every heartbeat. You are my beloved child in whom my soul delights. Listen, close your eyes. Hear the voice of the Father right now and let it shatter the webs of orphan thinking and religion over you. Hear the Father. You are my child in whom I love father says to his sons, I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. You're so awesome. And he looks at his daughters and kisses his daughter's face. He says, you're daddy's girl. I love you. I love you. Hear the voice of the Lord right now over your life. You're not an orphan. The spirit of God lives in you. Let the Holy Spirit Speak to your innermost being. Bear witness to your innermost being to tell you that you are a child of God. Lift your hands with me, would you? And just say this. Say, I receive the love of God over my life in the name of Jesus. The primary work of the Spirit, saints, is not just to give you gifts. It's to teach you that you're a son or a daughter. I want to close and I just want to read something to you really quick here. I hope you all enjoyed the message today. I had a little more time this service. Um, I'm going to dismiss you in in like three minutes. But I want to ask you, if you would, please, uh, just just hang with me just for a minute. I want to read to you in the message, Romans chapter 8. This is so profound. This is the work of the, this is just going to seal the heart of what I'm sharing with you today. Romans chapter 8 in the message and we're going to read the part where he talks about the Holy Spirit. This resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Wow. Sometimes I feel like we tend to the graves of things that God has crucified with Christ. The old stuff. Come on, somebody. It is adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits. Listen, God's Spirit bears witness with our spirits, confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are, Father and children. And we know 
that we're getting what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. Come on. The Lord speaks to our hearts. He says, you are my son. You are my daughter in whom my soul delights. I love this in the passion. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. To be led by the Spirit isn't just to be led. It's to know who you are. To know you're a son or a daughter. Moved by the impulses of the Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. That's just a bunch of doo-doo. Duty. Come on, somebody. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Come on, I break that over your life right now. That, that, that lying thing, sometimes it just webs in us that you're not good enough, that you're not valuable. Jesus didn't come to make you valuable. He came to prove that you're valuable. His blood proves that you have intrinsic value to the Father. I'm so unworthy. We keep saying that, and then we live our life with no value. See yourself through the eyes of heaven. Look in the mirror that the Holy Spirit gives you, not the broken one. And every little fracture represents past mistakes, not being good enough, past failures. Come on. The Bible says, when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Stop believing the lie that you're not good enough. That's why you keep falling. Believe who God says you are. Who does God say that you are? Who does God say that you are? I love this, man. He says, don't go back to that fear of never being good enough. You've received the spirit of full acceptance. Say full acceptance. Enfolding you into the family of God. You will never feel orphaned. For as he, the spirit, rises up within us, our spirits join in him in saying the words of tender, tender affection. Beloved Father. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. Hear me, hear me. You are God's beloved child. That's in the Passion. Read it later. Read it and soak it in. Verses 14 through 16. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real. Close your eyes. The Holy Spirit, God, makes God's fatherhood real to us and he whispers into the deepest part of your being, deeper than you could comprehend interwoven into the even the real dark places, even the places you don't let God love you, even the, play, the rest of you, not just the Sunday morning version of you, the Monday through Saturday version of you, all of those places deep within us, the Holy Spirit says, you are God's beloved child. <laughs> Man, we have such a reason to rejoice. Come on, saints. Lift your hands with me. I want to bless you one more time. Father, I just release right now the tangible manifest presence. I release right now the reality that every person in this room is so valuable. I release you. I declare you are significant. I declare that every form of bondage, every shackle, every lie right now, let the truth set you free. The truth of who God says you are right now. Say this with me. Say, Father. I believe who you say I am. I trust in you. Holy Spirit, you're leading me in all truth. And I'm discovering the truth of who you are. 
and the truth of who I am, that I am your beloved child. I am your beloved, and you are mine. In Jesus' name, one more time, lift your hands up. Father, I just pray that every person in this room would know that they're totally accepted. I break off the fear of abandonment and the fear of rejection. Man, I could lay hands on everyone in the room right now. Fear of rejection and the fear of abandonment. Come on, how many feel like the Lord's just healing things inside of you? Just say, I receive it. I receive it. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Could you shout out amen with me? Amen. Would you seal it with praise? Come on. Hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.